0: Thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Man. You guys can have a seat. We're going to release our students. If you're in middle school or high school, we got a service for you. You're going to follow Alex. He's on on his way back into the back. You guys have a great time. But before we get started, before we do anything... Okay, I'm on this camera. All right, sweet. I'm going to do it. Pat knows. Tracy Simpson, I'm sorry, I'm not my dad. But I believe that God has something for you today. She can't make it to church all the time. She lives way out in the middle of nowhere. And then we were having a long conversation. Anyway, it's beside the point. I'm sorry, Tracy. She said I wouldn't do that. And the one thing you learn about me, you don't dare me to do anything. Especially something like this. Anyway, so I'm excited to be in, but for everybody else in the room, obviously I'm not my dad. Um, if that wasn't apparent, uh, it is now that I've said it. If you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you open to uh, Isaiah chapter 46, verse number 9. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna use this verse as a springboard verse. But before we get into any of that, let me ask you this question. Um, have you ever been overwhelmed Have you ever had any level of maybe anxiety or stress? Has that ever been a, a, a thing in your life? Let me tell you. Let me. What, what I'm talking about is just one of those moments, one of those circumstances where you just look. Something happens and you're just looking there and going, "What? What am I going to do?" I'll tell you a real quick story. One time, uh, so Shay and I we bought a, our first house was downtown, and to say this house was a fixer upper is an understatement. Um, some of you know, it was, it was not fun, but we did, we fixed it up. It was a great time. We were very appreciative. We loved that house. I can say that I loved that house now that I no longer live in it. You know, it's one of those types of things. Well, anyway, we were, we, we put it on the market. We had an offer. We were in escrow. We were a week away from closing and we decided to get, we were giving Oliver a bath and we pull the drain and about two inches of water comes out and then it stops I'm like oh no and so me being kind of the handyman that I am I'm like I'm like okay well I can fix this I know what to do that house had a gigantic crawl space underneath I mean it would I mean it could almost be like another we use it for storage all kinds of stuff I mean it was like six feet you know and so because it was kind of built on a hill and so I got under there and I looked and there was the ABS pipe and and all this and it was about six feet in the air, and, and then right when, kind of where it went into the ground, there was a, there was a clean out, so I'm like, you know, I, all I need, like, I need to figure out where this, where this, some of you, some of you guys, I'm already, you already know where I'm going, leave it, like, leave the surprise for everybody else, <laughs> so this is a four-inch pipe, and I'm 23, 24 years old, I don't, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna pop this to see, like, where this, like, where, how far in the line is it backed up, so I pop it. And about four inches of water hits me square in the chest that I'm just gonna tell myself is bathwater, uh, just for my mental sake. It hits me in the chest. I mean, it, it wasn't under pressure because it's a drain line, but it had, because it was six feet in the air, and it was about 14 feet of pipe. So think about this 14 feet of four inches of bathwater hits me <laughs> underneath this crawl space. I mean, I'm, I fell over. It's all over me. It's, all, it's a big puddle. And then it drains all the way just to where the, 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 the clean out is. So I'm like, okay, well, it's obviously farther down the line. But I'm standing there going, oh, my God. What am I going to do? Like, our house is going to close in a week. Like, this is good. Like, I'm never going to move. I, half of my stuff is already in our new house. Like, what am I going to do? Like, have you, have you ever been in one of those type of moments? Whether it was self inflicted or just a circumstance, right? Just one of those moments where you just sit there and go, I have no clue on how to fix this problem. Well, I did have somewhat of a clue. I was like, okay, well, th- this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to compound this problem. This is not. This is what happened. This is not what I was thinking. But I'm like, I can go rent one of those, you know, mechanical snakes, right? And I've never operated one of those, ever. But you know what? I don't want to hire a plumber, you know, because that's just going to be expensive. So I go to Home Depot, rent one, rent too big of one, and then I get it stuck. And I call Home Depot, and I'm like, hey, um, what happens if I get this stuck? What do I do? They're like, well, you're going to have to cut the line, and now you have to buy us a new coil, which is about $700 oh, okay. All right. So long story short, I cut the line. I get it unstuck. And then I end up hiring a plumber. So I turned a, what could have been just a $300 ordeal into about a $700 ordeal, but it got fixed. And I sold my house and I have never, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty house. Not really. It was a fixer upper. It's anyway, but like how many have been in, in, in those type of moments where you're just like, I have no clue on what I'm going to do. See, that's a funny mechanical story that has a resolution. You just got to throw enough money at it and it fixes itself, right? But how many have had an overwhelming moment or a situation where no amount of money can fix this problem? Whether it be a diagnosis, whether it be a relationship that's in turmoil or maybe someone has walked out, some problem, you know, a a relationship with, with, with maybe your kids, a family member. Or maybe, maybe you just don't have, you know, there's more money that needs to go out than comes in. Or maybe it's just as, you know, it's just as simple as life just keeps hitting. You square in the mouth over and over and over again. And you're like, I don't know how many more of these hits I can take. How many have been in that situation? You're probably looking at me and go, have been, I'm in it right now. See, here's the thing. Being overwhelmed, I think, is a requisite for being human, for, li- for living. Being in a situation where we feel like I have no clue what I'm doing, I don't know what my next step is, there seems to be no answer, at least not a clear one to me, that's kind of one of these, one of these things that's par for the course for life. And whether you're in it now, or you've been in it before, we're probably going to be in it sometime in the future so the good news is now that I've officially bummed you out is is that I tried to lighten it up with a f- story where I had bath water all over me but that didn't really work the problem is is that they're not the problem but the the, the reality is is that no matter what our situation is there's hope there is hope and so where I, where, what I want to do is I want to look at a, a couple of sections of scripture. First off, we're going to look at Isaiah forty-six verse nine, and it's 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 going to be our springboard verse. And what I mean by that is that we're going to refer back to this. This is going to be the main verse that we kind of look back to. And it says this: It says, "Remember carefully, remember carefully the former things which I did from ages past. For I am God, and there is no one else. I am God." and there is no one like me that phrase remember carefully that's the key remember carefully so what 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 i want to do is look kind of kind of at the context of this verse and in chapter 46 in the beginning god kind of i really like god in the old testament when he would mock people because it's kind it's just it's funny like god has god has a sense of humor and he goes he goes, "You know the people of Babylon they have these idols, these big stone or wood idols that they've crafted but they can't move in order for them to move they have to be moved by people or by animal and and when they when they pray do they answer your prayer do they talk back And then he goes a step further and he calls out the people of Israel and he says, you know the wealthy would Melt down their gold and silver, and send it—you know—take it to a craftsman, and they would, they would make this idol, and they would wear it on their shoulders. In verse six and seven, and here I actually want to read that—it's really funny. In, in in verse seven, it says they carry it around on their shoulders, and when they set it down, it stays there. It can't even move. It says when you pray to it, does it talk back? He goes, No. Remember carefully the things that I've done. For I alone am God. There is no one else like me. So one of those stories, well, well hang on, we're going to go somewhere real quick. You see, that? I think that it's human nature that when we get into a a. When we get into a situation where we feel overwhelmed, where we, are, we feel anxious or depressed or stressed, we, get into these, we, we have a tendency to turn to everything but God. At least we have the potential to. Let me, let, let's, let's stay a little bit optimistic. The temptation is to turn to everything but God. Just like the, the people of Israel did. They turned to these idols. And see, I'm going to make an argument that says that we... Because, because if I said, "Oh, you have an idol in your life," you probably look at me and go, "I don't have no silver little statue that I pray to on my mantle." No, you don't. But we have some idols in our life. Let's let's get the low hanging fruit ones, and this doesn't mean that I'm demeaning it. I'm just saying it's kind of easy for us to go, "Okay, yeah, th- that makes sense." Something like substance abuse, alcohol, drugs. Sex, pornography, shopping, overeating, whatever it is. What, what, if it's an addiction that numbs us, it can be an idol. It is an idol. It's something that consumes our time, our energy, our resources, our emotions. And it takes that place of where God should sit in our life. That's an easy one. What about social media? I'm just going to say social media and the internet in general. And what I'm going to say, social media, streaming services, TV, those, those things, games, thank you. I I didn't bring, I was going to do that in first service, but I didn't. Thank you. Gaming, whether it be a PC console or Candy Crush. (laughs) Doesn't matter. If it, I know I'm stepping on toes right now. It's all right. I ha, look at I have a PC. I have games on my phone. I look at this is not an accusation towards you. This is a conversation about all of us. Okay. Anything that is designed to distract. See, when I feel overwhelmed, I just want to escape. I just want something to take my mind off of it. And social media does a great job because it has what's called the infinite scroll. Do you know, you notice you never get to the bottom of Facebook, Instagram. <laughs> TikTok, YouTube, there's always something new. And if I can watch some, you know, someone falling down and getting getting hurt, like that's that's my that's my go-to video. <laughs> if I can find a funny cat video, if I can find someone building something or 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 you know, stand-up comedy, whatever it is, something that just distracts me. Something that just gets my mind off of the problem that is my life. I saw this meme the other day, ironically, that said, it's a, it's a Netflix, it, it says Netflix executive, and it says, hey, do you want to watch a 10-hour movie? And someone's like, no, that sounds awful. He goes, how about, how about I give you a series of 10 episodes an hour long, and you watch it in one setting? Sounds like a deal. Cause isn't that what we do? If we, if I, if I looked at you and said, "Hey, do you want to watch a ten-hour movie?" You're like, "No, that sounds awful." But how many times do we binge-watch series? Shay and I are watching Alone right now. That show, that show on the History Channel. I watched. I'm my fa- I'm probably gonna start a forge because I really wanted to learn how to bl- make blades, all because of the dumb show Forged in Fire. Like I've watched every single episode. Like it. it, it, it and so I could talk about that all day long. But. My thing is it's like it it's it's an idol because it's taking it's it's distracting me. It's taking up time. It's addicting. Or maybe maybe we have the the idol of the little g. You know, instead of taking our problems to God, we take it to the little g called Google. Maybe you get a, a diagnosis or you get a something going on with your life, and so you go, you know what, I'm going to research this to find out, you know, what's, what's the new fad diet that I can do that's going to change my, you know, gut health and, and all of this stuff, and what do what people on, you know, Reddit, what have they've done, and all, all of this stuff. And see, here's the thing, let me, let me clarify something. Going to Google is not a bad thing, but only going to Google is a problem. You see, it's a resource, not the source. And see, when we decide, like, hey, I'm going go to go to Google instead of going to God, or what we do is we go, hey, God, this is what I researched. Do you agree with this? Oh, you don't? Well, Google says, it's like, well, wait a minute. Well, how about, and this one's going to, ooh, this, I don't think I'm going to get any response. How about the idol of friends and family? this is what I mean by that. Once again, an idol is anything that's supposed to take the place of God, right? But when we take the opinions of our friends and family and never bring it before the Lord and see what he says, that's a problem. Because there's going to be times where God tells you to do something that your friends and family don't agree with. But who has final say? Right? And I'm, let, let me be clear. Every major decision I've ever made in my life, the first person I talk to, my dad. I mean, obviously my wife, but I don't count her as a person. So, <laughs> she, see, all of you are offended. She's not because she knows what I mean. Because her and I are one. Brandy gets it. <laughs> she and I are one. So if you tell me anything, don't tell me anything that you don't want her to know. So, because anything that happens to me happens to her. Anything that happens to her happens to me. Therefore, we are not two separate entities. We are one. Does that make sense? Did I clean that up? Are you, are you less offended by the fact that I didn't call her a person? And so, there's not one thing that I've ever done that I have not gotten the advice of my dad from. But, my dad would be the first one to tell me, if my opinion conflicts what you believe God is telling you, go with what God is going to tell you. Yeah. And so when the, the idol of friends and family looks like their opinion matters more than his. So why am I bringing up all of these modern idols? It's because it is a tendency for humanity when we're in, a, in an overwhelming situation to turn to everything but God. to turn to everything but what his word says or what what or, or bring everything, to everyone else, except bringing it before Him in prayer, or simply just worshiping and saying, "God, I need peace right now." Well, wow, I was loud. I need everything. I just need you in my life. It's a and, and and look at this is not condemnation. What this is is this is just me pointing out what happened. And and maybe I, you you are great. This is what I do. This is what happens with me. Is because we are an instant gratification type of people. Therefore, when we go to, when we, when we use all of these idols of substance abuse, of social media, of, of going to Google or going to our friends and family, there's this little bit, there's this instant gratification thing that says, well, hey, you've done something. But just because you've done something, is it the right thing? And we can never, we'll never make a mistake when we bring it to God, Ever. Remember carefully, our verse says. Well, what are we supposed to remember? I'm glad you asked. Joshua chapter 4 is our next, if you have your Bible, whether it be a paper or digital, is where we're going to go. Joshua chapter 4, let me me give you some context, because remember, context when you're reading the Word of God is the most important thing. Here we have Joshua, and and the chapter one of Joshua starts off with God telling Joshua, like, hey, Moses, my servant, is dead. The, The call that I've put on him, I'm putting on you. And that's to take the children of Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Well, that's... A lot of times what we do is we, we, we read the word and we don't really take into consideration the logistical and emotional dynamics that take place. So here's Joshua, and he's, he, he, was, he was raised in ministry underneath Moses. He was one of the only ones, when, when, when Moses sent the spies into the promised land, he was the, one of the only ones that said, no, we got this, let's go. But because of the other's unbelief, they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Luckily, he was one of the ones that God said, "I'm gonna, you, you get to lead them into the promised land. And so an entire generation had to die off before the children of Israel were able to go into the promised land. But the first thing that they had to do is they had to cross the Jordan. And our verse starts off, when all the people had crossed the Jordan, that seems like, a little under it's an understatement because what happened was is God told Joshua hey I'm going to take I I need you to get the Levitical priests and I need you to take the Ark of the Covenant which represented the presence of God and you're going to walk into the Jordan and I'm going to stop up the water flash flood nice that was good that was good timing that was great timing a little prophetic there love to say that was on purpose he goes, no, so I'm going to stop the water. I'm going to call, don't, then don't stop the water. We want rain. My wife gets seasonal depression just in the reverse. So when it's hot, she gets really bummed out. So do I, because I hate the heat. I love it when it rains. We go outside and play in it. So anyway, stopping the water. That's right. I was like, where am I? So he stops the water. So, but the Levitical priests, they're, they're walking towards the water and there's still water in the river. Because a lot of times, and this is for free, a lot of times there's a miracle down that that has happened that just hasn't reached you yet. A lot of times that God is moving, no, no, God has moved, but it takes a little time for it to work its way down to you. And so what happened was, is God stopped up the water upstream and and all of that water had to go downstream. And then as long as, the presence of God was in the middle of that riverbed, that water wouldn't flow. And so the people of Israel cross. You could put that back up. And when the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, and all of the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each uh, of the tribes of Israel. And he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the covenant uh, of the ark of the lord your god each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder 12 stones in all one for each tri- one for the tribes of israel we will use these stones to build a memorial in the future your children will ask what do these stones mean then you can tell them they remind us that the jordan river stopped flowing when the ark of the lord's covenant went across these stones will stand as a memorial among the people of israel forever yeah. so this is this is what happens god looks at jo- joshua and says hey remember that thing that you were really scared of that i told you to do go back to that go back into the middle of it and get a stone not just one, 12. And not just like a little river rock that we decorate our landscape with. Carry it on your shoulder. So, this is a big honking rock. Carry it on your shoulder and bring it back, and we're going to build a memorial for the work that God did today. So that in the future, when your children ask you, What do these rocks mean? you could tell them, That is when God stopped up the Jordan and the people of Israel were able to cross. So this is what I'm telling you. We need to start building memorials in our life. We need to start building memorials in our life of the good and great things that God has done in and through our life. So what does that look like? That looks like going back into the pain and grabbing a memory. Grabbing a memory of what what that looked like. And this isn't to relive trauma. This isn't, this isn't to bring shame, guilt, or condemnation. Because there's victory on the other side. This is going to look at. I was in a place where I didn't know what to do. I was in a place where it seemed like two plus two added up to fish. It didn't make sense. I didn't know what I was going to do. It didn't just. It 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 seemed like. All hope was lost, but God. I want to do a sermon series where it's just called But God and look at all the times in the Bible where it says But God. But it's not just limited to the word of God, even though that's a great place to start. But a lot of times we disassociate with the word of God because it's the word of God with our own life. There's more power when we look at our own life and we go, you know what, God, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this, you've gotten me through that, so you'll get me through this. Amen. And we build this memorial so that we can stand and say, when we're under attack, because being a Christian doesn't mean you're, vo- you're, you're invincible to trial or attack. If anything, I would make the argument, it makes you more susceptible. So whether you've been in it, are in it, or will be in it, we need to build a memorial. So what does a memorial look like? Well, thinking about, thinking about our, you know, how many have ever seen or been to the mall in Washington, D.C.? How many even know what the mall is? I didn't know what the mall is. Shay, a few years ago, went to Washington, D.C. with a school trip. She's like, oh, we're going to the mall. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. In in D.C. I'm like, all right, cool. She didn't have, or you know, I didn't call her or whatever. She gets back and she calls me. She goes, oh, it was a great trip. I was like, oh, what would you buy? She goes, nothing. I'm like, well, you say you went to the mall. She goes, babe. It was really disappointed. She was just like, oh, no. This is where all the monuments and memorials, and the like, the Capitol building and the White House, all this stuff is at. How many? It is 146 acres of land devoted to remembering great men and women and what they've done in our country's history. Here's a fun fact: the Vietnam Memorial was designed by a, a, a woman in uh, grad school. I think it's her name's Maya Lin and she put her design uh in this national contest and she put her design in national contest and she won at the same time she used that design as her final for a class she won the national design but got a B plus in the class <laughs> got got a B plus not in the class on the on the design itself like how like oh yeah you're good enough for it to be a national monument that will be around forever, but hey, you get a B plus. It's like, that is ridiculous. Anyway, but here we have 146 acres of our nation's capital devoted to remembering, as we should, the great things men and women have done and what they stood for, what they died for, why they were there, what they believed in. And my thought is, well, shouldn't our Heavenly Father get the same respect? Shouldn't our Heavenly Father get a little bit of notoriety, at least in our own life, for the great things He has done in and through us? So what does this look like? This simply looks like writing it down. This simply looks like taking some time, sitting down, and going, you know what, God? Reveal to me, remind me of the things that you've done in my life. Remind me of those moments. And then going back, knowing that there is victory and saying, yeah, when I was in that moment, when I was addicted, when I was lost, when I thought that relationship had no hope, let me tell you a story and I'm going to just be really vulnerable with you for a minute. When Shay and I first got married, we were young, dumb, and broke. For anybody young, that's a song. We were. We had, the, the our, our chief problem, and maybe we're not alone in this, is we both had expectations of one another without letting the other one in on those expectations. Anybody fall into that trap before? We're... we're well, what began to happen is what ultimately you can drill down to the to the base problem was is we didn't trust one another. I didn't trust that she would love me the way that I needed to be loved. I didn't trust her. She didn't trust me. And it got down to a point, probably around two year two year three, somewhere around there. About a two thirty in the morning conversation. We're sitting on our, we're sitting on our bed after a huge fight, and we honestly. Didn't know if we wanted to stay married. And I told her, if you want to go, like I'm, I'll, we'll work it out. We'll figure out how to do life if we just don't want to be together anymore. And about for 15 minutes, it was the longest 15 minutes of my life, God did something. God did something in me, and God did something in her. And there's a big story behind all of that that I'll share at another time, but God came in and he restored something that at that, in that moment, I'm like, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's life look like, but now I can sit here and tell you that was three years ago, not three years ago, it was six years ago. We're going to be celebrating 10 years this year. But the thing is, is that I can tell you more importantly than the time, because you could be married a long time and never love each other. You could be married a long time and never like each other. I could tell you, and this is not, I'm not trying to earn points. I tell her this all the time. There is no other person in the world I'd rather hang out with than my wife. There's no other person that calls me on my crap, like my stuff, sorry, than my wife. There is no one that is least impressed with me than my wife. But at the same time, there is no one that encourages me more than my wife. Here's the thing. Let me clarify that. When I'm trying to be impressive and be macho, she's not impressed. Not at all. But when I like do the dishes without being told, when I cook and I do all of this, exactly. She's, she is an acts of service love language. So I've memorized that and I know that. And so there is no, I don't just love her, I like her. Let me, I don't just love her, I like her. And I can tell you that that is a miracle of God. Now, now at the same time, does that mean that we don't fight? And does that mean that she doesn't annoy me sometimes? No. (laughs) There are things that she does that drive me up a wall. Exactly. <laughs> is there things that I do that drive I have this uncanny ability to get undressed right in front of the hamper and not actually put it in the hamper. <laughs> Don't know why. Like I just I like literally, I'm she's like, Ha your clothes are piled up next to it, like it's building a mound next to it and it's just not in it. Like that so I'm not saying I'm perfect, she's not perfect, but here's the thing, is that God came in about six years ago, restored a relationship that honestly, I didn't know would ever be repairable. But see, if God can get me through that, he can get me through this. And you write that down. You you memorize that. You, you, you put it in a place that you put it on a post-it note and you stick it on your mirror where you're brushing your teeth and you, you go, God. And you make it a part of your devotional life where, you, where it's a, a form of thanksgiving and it's a form of worship where you're like, God, thank you. I was in this situation and you stepped in. I was in this situation and you stepped in. There was more money that needed to go out than was coming in, but you provided You brought healing to a relationship that I didn't think. You brought healing to my body where I didn't think. Over and over and over. Here's the problem. The problem is the devil is smart. I know I just gave the devil a compliment. Give me Give me a second. The enemy is smart. He doesn't just make you. He doesn't just come in and cause you to question God's ability. He doesn't just cause you to question. His ability, because if he did that, you would just be like, eh, pfft, shut up, devil. Of course, he's the, he's the Alpha and Omega. Of course, he can do that. But what he does is he causes you to question his willingness and his faithfulness to do so. It's a statement, and this is how it looks like yeah, he can, but will he? The devil's patient, he plants that seed, and then we do the rest. I'm going to have Jason come. We're going to close, but with what, this is what I want to remind you about. I'm going to tell you this story. Um, I, when, when I was in high school, we used to, I used to play football, and I had a coach that he had a zero tolerance for trash talk, and it was very disappointing because I feel like I'm a clever person, and I could say some really funny things, and I would say them under my breath, but if he caught you, Being disrespectful, especially to your teammates or the other team, he would pull you. And so we were playing this game. We were playing, and and I was I was on the side. uh, I was I played corner or or free safety. It doesn't matter, but I was on the side where my where my team was, and my coach could hear me. uh, Could hear this guy that I was guarding, and he was just John. I mean, just there was not a minute of that game where he did not say something. I didn't say anything. I just just took it. So about three quarters of the way through, we're in the third quarter. My coach brings me aside and he goes, hey, I'm going to let you say something. But just tell him to look at the scoreboard. And at that time, we were up by like 40 points. And in football, that's a lot. See, there's, that's a lot, but yeah, in any standard, yeah, basketball, baseball, foot baseball—that would be ast- astronomic. If you're up by 40, they, I think they would end the game. I don't know, but he just—he just said, just tell him to look at the scoreboard, because there's nothing you need to say but that you're losing. And see, here's the thing: we have an enemy that loves to jaw. He loves to talk his stuff. He loves to run his mouth. But he's not just losing, he's lost. He is a defeated foe. And what we have to do is we just have to look at him and go, check the scoreboard. You don't have any time left in the game. The game is over. You lost. I've won. And I didn't just win, I won in my relationship with my wife. I won when I felt that our finances were gonna be, we were gonna be broke forever. God provided there. When I felt, when when Shay and I were both going to school and we were overwhelmed and we had a brand new baby and we didn't know what we were gonna do and we were remodeling another house. There's not enough hours in a day. He came through there. And time and time and time again, we're reminding the enemy of his his losses and reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness. So I want to leave you with this. I want to challenge you to do two things. I know I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I want you to write this down. I want you to write your memorial down. I want you to create, and it doesn't need to be this big, long essay. It doesn't need to be this big, you know, eloquent thing. It just needs to be bullet points. If you have dates, that would be great. But if you don't, that's fine. And you just go, point one, just one. He provided here. He restored this relationship. He healed me here. He did this. And you create that. And it doesn't need to be long. Make it as long or as short as you want. And I know what you're thinking, well, I don't know anything. How about the fact, first, how about the fact that you live in a country where you do not have to worry about clean running water? How about the fact that most of us either have enough food in our fridge that we're probably, some of it's going to spoil and we have to throw it out. Or we have at least access to resources to get food. Or, the fact that you don't have to be worried about being beheaded for being in this room. And if you've got nothing else, if that's not good enough, how about the fact that you get to sit here this morning assured that if everything were to end right now, you get to call heaven home because of the fact that we serve a God that's willing to step down off of his throne out of eternity and into time, live a, a sinless life die on a cross in a brutal way so that you and I can have a relationship with a loving father. If that's your only point, it's enough. The second thing is I want you to read that every day. Every day. Put it in your phone, on your notes. Set a reminder to read that every day. Use technology for what it's for. If that doesn't work, write it on a post-it note. Put it on your mirror while you're brushing your teeth, like I said. Put it somewhere where you'll, where you're, where you'll read it. And read it often. My third thing, tell someone, tell someone. That story I told you about Shay and I, there are people in this room, our close friends that know that story. There's people in this room that I know personal things about them so that when hell is raging and they may be fuzzy and they can't think and they're going, I don't don't know what I'm gonna do in this scenario. I can pull them aside and say, hey, you remember when? you were so sick you didn't know if you were going to live or die but yet God came in and stepped in and helped you hey do you remember when your relationship was such in disrepair that you didn't know you didn't actually want to be in a relationship anymore but God came in and restored that that's what being in community looks like it looks like you knowing one another's victories so that When hell very convincingly begins to lie to us and we can't seem to pull up ourselves, we have someone to come in and pull us up. It's not you and Jesus isolated. It's you, a whole bunch of people in Jesus. That's what church looks like. That's what being a Christian looks like. That's what community looks like. And the last point I wanna make is that, that the very foundation the very foundation of our memorial is built on his faithfulness. Joshua 25, put that uh, slide up. Yeah, 2145. It says Not a single one of the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he spoke came, to, came true. I like this verse because this is 25. This is Joshua 21, verse 45. This is after everything happened. In Joshua 4, you have the, they build the memorial. But guess what happens in Joshua 6? Jericho. And subsequently, everything after that. There's 31 battles. 31 separate seasons where they didn't know if they were going to live or die. They didn't know if this was gonna be the battle that wiped them out. And they could look back at that memorial. Because whether, because here's the thing, yesterday's victories build today's memorials for tomorrow's battles. Yesterday's victories build today's memorials for tomorrow's battles. And it's all built on a foundation of his faithfulness. Not just in Joshua, but in Psalms. What did I put down? For the, for the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. Next one. 1 Corinthians one nine one nine, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And first, Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. We get to stand firm on his faithfulness. Every memorial that you have is built on a foundation of his faithfulness. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes bow your head. We're going to close. But before we do, maybe you're in this room and you're saying to yourself, you know, I I don't know, like I can't think of one thing that God has done for me because you know what? I haven't stepped into a relationship with him. I don't want you to leave this morning without an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and start that today. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I, I don't want to single you out. I don't want to Embarrass you, anything like that? I'm going to have all of us pray so they don't, you don't feel singled, singled out. And so, if you want to one, one give your life to Jesus, or two, you want to recommit your life to Him, this is going to be the time. And I just want you to follow after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for sending Your Son to die for me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior from this, this day forward I will praise you I will worship you and I will love you amen today marks the difference today marks the beginning this is your first memorial this is where you get to look back and say that is the moment everything changed if he can get you through this he can get you through that Reverse that. If you can get if he can get you through that, he can get you through this. I'm gonna close in prayer, and then I'm gonna let you guys leave. Father, God, I just thank you for what you're doing in and through this place, Lord. God, I just pray, Lord, as we leave this place, that you remind us of all of the things that you have done in and through our life, Lord, let us not take for granted one single thing. God, I don't care how insignificant it may feel. If it is a work from you, it is worth glory and praise. God, so let us leave this place with a new assurance that whatever we are going through, whether it be current or in the future, that we can look back and we say, if you got me through that, you can get me through this. When I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what to do, I'm gonna rely on you, I'm gonna call on you, I'm gonna remember all of the times where I wasn't sure, but yet you were faithful. Our memorial, we are going to read it every day. We are going to tell someone so that they can help us stay accountable. God, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have our prayer team come up. They, uh, they want to pray with you. If you have some needs or you just want someone uh, additional prayer, they are here for you. They want to pray with you. Um, if you're new here, remember, go to our Welcome Center. We'd love to connect with you, meet, meet with you. Um, and, yeah, uh, we can't wait to see you next week. We love you and have a great week. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.